So the story goes something like this. In the early spring of 2007, Joe Carroll would open Fetty Sal, a barbecue joint with a bar that focused on local craft beer and small batch American spirits. Located on the sprawling Metropolitan Avenue, a street in northern Brooklyn, New York City, the restaurant boasted the perfect marriage of excellent beer and Texas-style barbecue. Opposite Fetty Sal is a knitting factory, a popular concert venue where you can catch a gig most nights of the week. And some 10 years ago, that very venue played host to Sons of Albion. After the gig, the hard rock band fronted by Logan Plant were in the mood to eat. And following a personal recommendation, there was only one place on their minds. I was ravenous, he recalls, and Fetty Sal was their destination. And after passing through those doors, there was no looking back. Overwhelmed by the unmistakable aromas of barbecue smoke, the tender steam-grilled sandwiches called sliders, and the wealth of amazing local beer, Plant had found his true calling. It was time to turn his back on the music industry and follow his love of all things beer. And while the visit to Fetty Sal may have been an epiphany, Plant's appreciation of beer had been developed long before, nearly 4,000 miles back home in the West Midlands. And a decade on from that fateful night, Plant and his team at London's Beavertown have just opened their new brewery in the capital, one that is capable of producing some 90 million pints each year. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal magazine. And I'm Rian Owen. Beavertown was founded by Logan Plant back in 2012. And in that time, it has gone on to become one of the UK's most popular names in the brilliant world of beer. And to call the last two years something of a whirlwind for Beavertown is to probably underplay it. In the summer of 2018, Beavertown sold a minority stake to Dutch beer giant Heineken. In doing so, the £40 million investment in the London outfit would enable Plant to realise his ambitions of building a brand new brewery and get Beavertown beer on every street corner. The following spring, Beavertown and Tottenham Hotspur would officially open the doors of its state-of-the-art on-site brewery. The only one of its kind inside a football stadium and a spot that has swiftly become a go-to destination for matchday beer. While the stadium brewery officially opened in early 2019, work had already begun in earnest on an even bigger project. The construction of their new brewery in Ponders End, part of the London Borough of Enfield. Some 18 months on, that new brewery is very much a reality. Christened Beaver World, the facility will create 150 new jobs. And with equipment from manufacturers such as Crohn's, its brewhouse can produce up to 500,000 hectolitres a year while KHS technology means they're capable of filling 30,000 cans and 160 kegs every hour. The Beaverweld build was a major undertaking at any point in time. It just so happened that those involved had a global pandemic to navigate during the project too. In this podcast, we visit Beaverweld to speak to founder Logan Plant and lead brewer Chris Lewington about the brewery's exciting new capabilities, the hurdles the team have overcome on the way, and the changing role Beavertown is playing in the wider beer sector. Plant was set on making a go of things in the wonderful world of beer. It was time to build on his new love of exciting hot-forward US styles, while combining that with the joy that came from a healthy session on cask beers in the Midlands growing up. And despite his steadfast ambitions, 
Even Plant has to take a step back to take in the brewery's journey and development over these last 10 years. Well, yeah, um, eight years ago, I was at the kitchen table pissing Bridget off and the kids making a mess, stinking the place out and um, generally, you know, kind of constructing some sort of a dream. Yeah, on the kitchen table and home brewing and knocking out, you know, the first recipes of neck oil and eight ball and smog. Um, So to think that now we're opening London's biggest brewery, you know, eight years on from that is, um, yeah, is bonkers. What a journey. I think that's the testament to the hard work of, you know, people like Chris, who have been amazing parts of the team and all the people that have been with us. It just shows what you can achieve um, when you've got a, you know, you've got an aspiration, a dream, a vision, and then you surround yourself by amazing people. And and here we are. Long before Beaverworld, Plant's professional foray into the London beer scene was through the opening of Duke's Brewing Q in 2012. Based in Haggerston, it was the first home of Beavertown, Serving up authentic barbecue and their own craft beers, the brew pub and barbecue joint was Plant's way of recreating the perfect harmony of flavours and aromas he had experienced in Brooklyn two years prior. It was here he would also meet Nick Dwyer, the brewery's creative director responsible for the unmistakable artwork and branding that has adored their cans, keg fonts and merchandise ever since. A move to a bigger brewery in Hackney Wick followed in 2013, before growing demand would see the team move to Tottenham Hale the year after. The Lockwood Industrial Estate has been the brewery's home ever since, with an increasing number of units catering for additional tanks, storage, tap rooms, and fulfilment. And while the Tottenham Hale site will still play a key role for Beavertown going forward, the need for a larger, new facility was evident many years back, along with the wealth of new kit that would come with it. Obviously, this has been in the in the pipeline for maybe four years, four and a half years of understanding when we were coming to that point in Tottenham of reaching our capacity, knowing that we were going to hit it and then understanding, you know, how do we keep going and and, and make the most of this moment? You know, I talk about fulfilling the prophecy quite a lot, but it just feels like we we ourselves, the industry, but also Beavertown have, have put ourselves in an amazing position. You know, the beer industry's turned on its head. We've been able to be a massive part you know, within that with, with, with lots of other brewers and then understanding like how do we keep pushing on and taking it mainstream, you know, and not just being like, you know, craft beer, like how do we become just a great beer on every street corner, on every bar? So yeah, yeah, four years roll on. And then, and then you know, you get to the point where, you know, we, we raised capital to build our dream, to build Beaver World. And then we start to sink concrete and shit gets starting to get built and you buy a brew house for a shitload of money and then suddenly a pandemic happens, you know, and the whole world locks down. It's like we couldn't stop. Um, And again, you know, credit to Chris and the guys here. Um, They kept going, you know, um, with the German contractors we were working with, with Crohn's and KHS. They were here for as long as they could be and then they had to fly back, obviously, because the governments were all going, nope, you got to come home now, we're locking down. And they kept going virtually. So yeah, Chris was like, it must have been a nightmare. We ha- It was really dramatic. We kept having like those conversations between like Crohn's HQ and the Crohn's commissioning team. And they were like, uh, yeah, so they're going to close the borders tonight. So then two of the guys would go to the hotel, pack their bags, get the rest of the stuff whilst we were still brewing at this point. And then they were scheduled to leave that night. And then they'd get called say they're not going to close the borders and we'd be brewing again tomorrow. But, you know, we got four brews done with the whole Crohn's team and then it was just the fifth one was us. So 
we have sort of they left and we went on VPN with them, so over uh, like Teams. But I mean, you lose that sort of personal touch of having someone. So we had a, it was just over three or four of us, and that was that was it with like headsets in all day going around this whole new be- this whole new brewery huge responsibility uh it was a super challenging time but it, i mean it's the best way to learn i couldn't have asked for much more none of us we know we know every single facet of the brewery now like obviously like down to a t and by the time the current team left we were we were more like super comfortable with everything but yeah it got really dramatic some days <laughs> it must have been like somebody like putting you in a big room full of loads of stuff switching the lights off and then just giving you instructions in your ear yeah. like turn left here twist this knob and you're like this pump doesn't sound particularly healthy <laughs> and then like they're listening and they're like nope that's not good that's not good and then they go around change the parameters we had so we had two programmers uh and three brewmasters at one point and back end all on the same team's call three of uh like three of us as well so it's got really like we at that point we were brewing like we brewed like i think we brewed 15 or maybe even up to 20 brews without them so we got like and we were cellaring this all uh we were getting everything done we owned the third time we'd ever run the dry hot was us by ourselves and like everything all the automation hadn't really fully been set up so they were still trying to do that on the flight it was like it was a good challenge amazing the centerpiece of Beavertown's new brewery is its bespoke crones steinecker brew house the five vessel brew house comprises a varia mill mash conversion vessel lauterton wort kettle Whirlpool, and an Equitherm energy recovery system. In the cellar, Crohn's has provided 38 fermentation maturation tanks, ranging from 150 hec to 600 hec in size, along with a centrifuge, filtration, and an automated dry hopping dosing system. While the brew house is considerably different to the system the team were used to brewing on in Lockwood, it's a change that Lewington has fully embraced. Lockwood's like not got a single bit of automation in the entire brewery. I mean, we're still there. We're still mashing in with two hand valves, like two, like a hot and cold valve, like just literally by hand. So the whole concept of brewing basically changes, uh, as you know, most people who have worked in auto, like automated breweries will, will understand it's very different and it's a different way of approaching brewing sometimes. So people had to, we have a lot, our whole team from Lockwood that now work here. We had like half the team moved up, uh, to Beaverworld. And, you know, if their biggest adaptation, like, is just no longer do they have a direct influence on the, on the actual process of, of brewing because they're no longer opening the valves. So, but then you have your whole thought process is different. So it's no longer like operating valves is next. Now it's like, how am I looking at trends? How am I looking at pump speeds? How am I going to get the same numbers every single time? So you're obviously the consistency goes up huge and it's just a different way of approaching beer or like the production of beer. Um, and for the team here, like we love it. Like that's exactly like, it's not a step up. It's just a different way of doing it. Um, but it's completely challenging for a lot of people. So it's, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, and also the scale is obviously a lot bigger. We have like 600 hectares tanks here now. And so it's six times the volume of one of Lockwood's and all of a sudden you start seeing, you know, you know, mistakes, mistakes, are, <laughs> they're not so good. And you've got a lot of new equipment, a lot of new processes, and you've got a whole new software to look contend with as well. So it's a whole different ball game. You know, you have to be super focused all the time. And even though when the computer's running itself, sometimes it's always things, it's a computer at the end of the day, it does what it needs to do. 
a few and I always say like it's always entertaining like you know you, you're trying to mash and at 64.1 you're only one decimal point away from 6.41 and all of a sudden you're just like <laughs> I mean it's just as like that's the sort of mindset you have to have whereas you know when you're mashing in by hand you're never going to mash in at 6.4 degrees but there's a there's an opportunity to do so in, in production <laughs> brewing like big big automated brewing. Beavertown's lead brewer, Chris Lewington, started brewing professionally at Harrogate's Daleside Brewery at the beginning of 2015. Later that year, he moved to the brilliant Thornbridge before the capital came calling in May 2017. Joining Beavertown, Lewington has carried out a range of senior brewing roles, including managing quality across five different contract brewing sites. Now as lead brewer of the new Beaver World site, he works alongside a team that includes Nikola Majanovic, Beavertown's head of brewery operations and expansion. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been incredibly blessed by having, you know, people like Nicola um, and like Jan and people around me who've supported me out throughout this. But, and they've given me a lot of responsibility, uh, which is, you know, I hopefully I'm repaying that faith. But yeah, it's it's very rewarding. I mean, I, I'm telling you for the first six months, I'd walk in there and I'd just like, I'd literally just stand for like maybe five or 10 seconds and be like, holy shit <laughs> this is this is this is awesome like this is what i wanted to do and like so it's been uh yeah it, it's still still walk through here and it still like blows my mind i'm still like super proud to be a part of it like i think that's what everyone who feels the destiny especially the team for commissioning there's just a super sense of pride to see this place running now we're getting the quality where we where we like you know where we need it to be in terms of like getting it on the same level as Lockwood and other and other breweries. It's making sure that, that that was really important for me to get that consistency there. And now it's time to sort of push forward from there. But yeah, it's super proud. I think that's like the overall overroaring emotion for us all is just like this big sense of pride. Chris is has got a huge amount of capacity, you know, in himself and, you know, working as he says with Nicola uh, head of ops. Um, you know, t- Chris is now leading the whole thing here pretty much. Uh, which is amazing, you know, to, for the journey. And I love that about, you know, the team, how they've grown, how we've all grown together, you know. So it's amazing to be kind of walking into the place and now Chris calls it home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah which is great. It has been my home, yeah. <laughs> but but it's, like you say, it's taken six months. For me, you know, I'm up here once a week at the moment because we're still socially uh, distancing and we will in the next kind of month kind of gravitate as a team stagnated up here. Um, but it's still, yeah, it's... It still feels weird coming in and walking around. And obviously Nick, our creative director, he's here today. So he's looking at how he's going to beaver the place up. So yeah, it's um, it's starting to feel more and more like home. Um, and yeah. I can only imagine, yeah, Chris knows everything about it now. I think we're all really excited to see this place like beavered up a lot. I think it's like, you know, it looks amazing as a brewery, but we want it to be like a proper beaver town. You know, yeah. this is the home. So this is what we want. And I've seen some of the designs. It looks awesome. So we're all really pumped for that. In addition to the impressive Krohn's Steinecker Brewhouse, Beaverworld also boasts a raft of kit from KHS. The complete KHS can line has the capacity to fill up to 30,000 cans per hour in 330ml format. The process is also fully automated from start to finish. Palletised cans go in, get depalletized, and rinse with ionised air. They're then filled, sealed, coded and packed in cartons or in trays prior to moving on to pallets. The filling process centres around the computer-controlled KHS Innofill DVD filler, with 50 filling heads, with electric flow metering to accurately control can contents. 
the machine delivers several design features to ensure hygiene and flavour stability and a highly efficient CO2 saving can purging system with minimal dissolved oxygen pickup. Elsewhere, the KHS keg line can fill up to 160 kegs per hour in 30 litre format and the ability to be expanded in the future to an ultimate capacity of 240 kegs per hour. Empty kegs are fed on the line where they are depalletized, washed and sterilized prior to filling, precisely filled to a predefined volume, then capped and coded before being loaded onto pallets. The investment in equipment was in line with the ethos for the new facility, which as Plant says, is to invest in best. I mean, at the beginning, you know, as we said, like four years ago, I think when I started to look at possible expansion, you know, you think, oh, okay, so at Lockwood, we're doing this, you know, um, and where's the industry and what do we think the industry is going to be, you know, in the future? Um, And then it kept on snowballing. So we'd gone from going, oh, yeah, we could possibly, you know, do this and go to the bank and raise some more finance and, you know, maybe chuck a bit more in from here and there and 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 do it ourselves um but then you realize that actually the the, the industry moves on our position in the industry has changed um and there's a there's a as i say it's mainstream right every bar wants good beer every every shelf wants good beer so yeah it was then just reassessing it and going shit actually this brewery needs to be the best it needs to be the the best and the biggest that we can invest in you know invest in best has been has been the tagline over this period so yeah suddenly it became you know a huge project a huge investment and um and finding the space you know you've got to find that foundation and finding this uh space in enfield ponders end was was key to that so yeah i feel fortunate really lucky you know that all the bits are kind of falling into place and here we are you know it took a year i think last march is when they actually started to build this warehouse physically out of the ground. And we were meant to move in on March. And obviously because of the, the pandemic and lockdown, we probably got knocked back um, a couple of months to production. Where was it, June? We started to brew April, no, May, June, something like that. Yeah, we was like slightly heavy production. Well, yeah. I guess like routine production. We were doing test brews, well, test brews the first few brews, but yeah, routine yeah. production was like April. So we probably got knocked back a few months, but if you think about it, they turn it round in a year, which <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. And Plant is more than aware of the toil that all involved have put into this project. It's 130,000 square feet. It's like, what is it? 5,000 square feet of offices here, 5,000 downstairs of like canteen area and hangout and breakout area. And then we've got the the visitor center, which will come, which is another like 15 or 20,000 square feet. Um, So yeah, that. And then obviously you've got the the brew house and the, just the amount of pipe work. I mean, I don't know how many kilometers of, pipe work and, and electrical uh, wiring and stuff they put in, but it was, it was ridiculous amounts. Ridiculous. So yeah, everybody's bust their nut, to be honest. It's been a hell of an effort. <laughs> the new equipment that makes Beaver World tick allows the brewery to produce, package and distribute more beer than ever before. But for people like Lewington, it's also the potential to refine their processes on an ongoing basis that really excites him about the facility's new capabilities. Like this for me is the most exciting thing is we have all the equipment and all the tools and all the understanding to really push this site to like the, the ultimate level that we, me and Nicola have always discussed is like we have, you need to have like a foundation, SOPs, QA, and then you need to go into an optimization step, which is where we'll be moving to soon, where we start to optimize how to make the best neck oil possible, the best gamma ray possible, the best beer possible. But the ultimate goal for this site and where I think there is no limit in this next part is the innovation side of it. 
So in the future, we have, you know, we will have all the tools to be an innovative site so we can actually start to create research from this place rather than always relying on other people's. And I think that's always been the goal for this place. We've got like a world-class lab, world-class micro lab, world-class physchem lab. Uh, we've got a serious amount of good toys in the brew house, which we'll see later. And in the, uh, and in the cellar, we have like Abers in line for pitching, um, uh, harvesting and propagation. So, you know, just the, the sheer level of consistency that we can do when we get, when we find our standard operating procedures. And then from there, we can really push. So for me, I think, you know, there is almost no limit. It's a bit cliche to say, but I think that when we get to that innovation side, that's going to be for us. That's where we want to be staying in. Um, you know, really want to push R and D in all facets of brewing, you know, and drinks production, I think in general, we want to be a part of it all. We're not, we're not narrow minded to anything. We want to be completely open and generating as much information as we can. Yeah. The flexibility, I think with the brew house yeah. of, of what we can do, um, you know, it's 150 heck length, but it doesn't mean we have to brew that. And we've got 150 heck tanks, 300, 600s. So there's a bit of flexibility there and we do want to invest in a kind of R&D yeah. setup brew house here as well. So not only brewing obviously bigger batches, but also smaller batches that we can roll through and um, and just build from, you know. Keep pushing ourselves as brewers has always been, you know, the kind of key goal of Beavertown. And, um, and similarly with Tottenham, with Tottenham Hale, that's still going to keep going. While it's full steam ahead at Beaverworld, Plant is keen to point out that seasonals and collaborations are still a major part of the brewery's output going forward. He also recognises the incredible growth that the core range such as neck oil and gamma ray have experienced in recent years. Yeah, huge. I mean, you know, let's not take away that neck oil is 65, 70% and gamma ray is probably 20, 25% depending on the month. You know, and lupuloid's doing really well now. Nanobots come through the new Super Session IPA and, you know, we've got more innovations coming through within the core range of what we want to do bloody hell's doing great it's out it's out in the you know on the on trade now and in bars and stuff it's doing really well um so yeah you know the future definitely is you know it's always been about pushing beer but you know similarly um seasonals you know collaborations everything that we were and we you know we built ourselves on we still want to be and want to be doing more so yeah there's always going to be a couple of beers a month coming out you know there's always going to be um you know, hopefully new collaborations on the horizon. There's always going to be stuff, fun stuff, as well as the serious stuff going on. <laughs> and in recent years, the brewery has experienced a shift in the volumes its core range accounts for. Yeah, Gamma used to be 50, 55% of our production, probably three, four years ago. It was, a, it, it still is our hero beer. It's so iconic. You know, what Nick did on the design um, is, 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 otherworldly literally <laughs> but he you know he set the benchmark i think for honestly for design on beer um you know he kind of lifted the bar so high um and and, and gamma ray to, to me is is that beer um so yeah it'll always it's always going to be like a, a super strong position in our in our kind of core range but yeah suddenly neck oil it just it just ballooned i think because of its abv and it's kind of the style and it's just super accessible you know and that's what you know that's what that's why i got into beer in the first place you know it was about drinking a shitload of beer <laughs> and having a great time and and neck oil when i first devised the recipe was just like we need to make this you know we need to make it as as super sessionable as possible um and as accessible as possible so yeah i think it's a good stepping stone beer 
you know, into the world of Beavertown. And the world of Beavertown, like all of its peers, exists in the challenging landscape that is 2020. The analogy I like to use is, um, you know, we, we're lucky to have a brewery in the stadium at Tottenham. And, you know, if you just look mass populous, you've got 63,000 people there every, every week, whatever it is. And that is a real broad spectrum of, I think, society, man, woman, children, you know, old, young, everything in between. Um, so, yeah, for Neckel to be 40% of the beer drunk in the stadium shows you that I think we've got a long way to go as a, as a beer category to, to, to grow into what is mainstream. You know, because if you think craft beer is what, six, seven maybe 8% of total beer production, perhaps, in the UK. And you've got 40% of the people drinking Neckall in the stadium. You know, Christ, if we can push it up to 15 or 20% nationally, that to me shows that the beer industry or the craft beer industry, if you like, has got so much further to go. So yeah, that as a kind of overarching is is positive, I think. Um, to your point about, yeah, this year, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, fuck, it's a it's been mad, you know, we've all had to pivot and dance, a very different dance since March. Um, you know, just psychologically, physically, um, you know, everything from our aspirations and projections and budgets to how we, you know, just keep the doors open and keep everybody in a job. It's been mad. So I think whether you're Beavertown or whether you're, you know, just starting out in the industry, we've all tried to do the same thing, which is, you know, how do we get through it, basically? Going forward, Plant is also aware of the potential hurdles that may lie ahead. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how everybody comes out of it. You know, I know the industry is opening up now and it's getting back to 60, 70% year on year of where it was, which is good. You know, that means people have got businesses and jobs. Hopefully, I know we're losing jobs across the hospitality industry, but hopefully the majority of them will be kept. I mean, you've got to touch wood. I think there's, you know, the, the support that we've seen from the government has been massive with furlough, with the eat out, with, um, you know, even for us, for example, duty has been pushed back so we can afford to stay, you know, keep going. Because if we had to pay our duty every month of what we were, we, there would be no beaver town, there would be no beer industry. So, yeah, but you've got to pay it at some point. But, you know, how you get to that. So, yeah, it's been huge. So I can imagine everybody, whether it's two people or, or us here with like 150 people, everybody goes through. Um, this merry dance of trying to get and see the, the other side. When those initial plans for the next evolution of Beavertown were in their infancy, some four years ago, nobody could have envisaged the way the world would look when their new brewery eventually threw open its doors. And it's another reason for Plant's overwhelming pride in his team. Unbelievably proud, honestly. I can't believe... I've re and I must say, I know it probably sounds a bit weird, but I've really... Um, I've really embraced it and enjoyed it. And I think, you know, it's really brought our team together, um, you know, and with the goal of this, of Beaver World being on the horizon and this, the fact that we've got everybody back, you know, from furlough and, and we're, you know, everyone's got their jobs in hand and everyone's come back like unbelievably pumped, you know, whether it's from a brewing perspective and, and what the guys are doing here at Lockwood or in Tottenham, you know, you know, we've still got, you know, a little brew team at Tottenham and there's no one there, but they're, they're doing amazing stuff. So, and then the sales guys are back out there, you know, it's been, it's been immense. Um, uh, you know, it's great to know that actually a lot of people want to come back. You know? um, a lot of the team are really looking forward to coming back to the brewery and, and, 
that camaraderie has become even stronger from what I can gauge feedback uh, from the team. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just been weird, right? Thanks to Logan Plant and Chris Lewington for telling us all about the story behind Beaverworld. We look forward to seeing where they go next. But until then, Lewington says there is one underlying quality which has carried the brewery through this turbulent time. I think one of Beavertown's overriding characteristics is its adaptability. I think that throughout all the circumstances we've ever been thrown, especially the brew team, if I can speak from that firsthand, it's always been very adaptable. And so when COVID happens, you know, it's never, you know, everything's a disaster. It's just how are we going to get continue to make this work? And that's like the attitude of the whole company. And I think it, you know, it's because everyone wants to be here. That's the best thing about Beavertown, you know, everyone loves to be a part of being here. All the brew team, myself, uh, yeah, and I mean, we were helped by the fact we got to commission a brewery, so <laughs> if someone didn't want to turn it for work then, then it's different, isn't it? Yeah, it keeps you on your toes and all of a sudden everything else is not yeah. quite as... Uh... But, you know, I mean, you know, people are everything, you know, in life in general, friendships, um, you know, and I think we have that as a strong community and a strong culture and the, and the, the, the speed of growth, you know, you can't take everybody with you in life, whatever you do, you know, if you're, if you're going in one direction, not everybody wants to follow you, but... The, when you are on that that trajectory it's just about doing you know we've had to learn so quickly I'm, you know i've never done this before i don't think any, you, none of us have ever done it so how do you bring people along and you know for example you know from a hr perspective we've got like a people team now that are you know so dedicated to doing and learning you know on in the working environment of how we can progress it and benefit you know one and each other um, for example, you know, so just the way that we can grow as a company as positively as we can, you know, hopefully you can do the right things, you know, by the team. And that shows, you know, as you've said, you know, we've got a great, a great environment. So yeah, really long may that continue. Yeah. <laughs> the Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan and Rian Owen. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And a special thanks to Logan Plant, Chris Lewington and Georgia Gallant at Beavertown. <laughs>